0: Praise the Lord and good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I want to welcome you today to our global internet around the world church service where we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, gather together as a global body of Christians, lifting up the name of Jesus and having that common unity of faith through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am so happy. That you're joining me today. We're going to have a great time in the Word of God. I believe that God knows every need that you have, and He's already made provision for it through the Lord's sacrificial death upon the cross. And we want to talk about today how to tap into that, how to receive what God has promised to you. And we're going to have a wonderful time. Before we jump into today's message, let us receive the holy tithes and offerings. I would like to read a scripture to you from Genesis chapter 14, and let's go down today to verse 18 together. Of course, if you have your Bibles, it will mean more to you, and will be easier to understand if you are able to open up your Bible and follow along with me today while I teach. Praise God. So we are in Genesis 14. Let's go to verse 18. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem... "...brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said..." Okay, so this is Melchizedek giving a blessing to Abram. And this is what he said, "...Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand." And he, Abram, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now, this was after a raiding band had taken many of the possessions of Abram's nephew, Lot. And so he goes away with his own servants and captures everything that was taken, brings it back, and he gives a tithe of the spoil to Melchizedek. The priest of God Most High. I think it's very important to understand that Abraham, of course, Abram's name was changed to Abraham, but Abraham was a tither a long time before the Old Testament. Old Testament Mosaic Law was enacted, which basically made tithing a requirement under the law under the Old Covenant. This was many years before Moses was ever born. But yet here we have Abraham tithing because it's just the right thing to do. My friends, I want to shoot straight with you today. If you want to engage God in a financial covenant, now remember, a covenant is a deal, a transaction that is defined with simple, well-to-read, easy-to-understand terms where two people coming together both doing their part, and then it's enacted together. It's a binding agreement, a binding covenant. If you want to engage God in a financial covenant, the only way that you can engage God on a financial covenant is through the platform of tithing, not as a law, not as something that you have to do, but something as a catalyst of faith. Look, if you can't give 10%, how could you ever give 20 How could you ever give 11? You you want to start with the tithe, which is 10% of your income, honor the Lord with that, and engage God on the covenant platform. That is what brings you into a place where you cannot be shaken, regardless of what is going around you. Now, here's the thing about a financial covenant with God, until you do your part, God is is not obligated to do His. So, it's not going to click. It's not going to start. It's not going to be enacted until you start tithing, praise the Lord. And when you start tithing, and you're walking with the Lord, and you're living for the Lord, I'm telling you what, you begin to see God's hand on your life, in your finances. He will get you through every situation Every trial, every difficulty, every struggle, God will take you through. But until you do your part, God is under no obligation to commit to your financial well-being unless you're willing to meet Him on that condition, which is tithing. Look, there's a lot of Christians. They, they, they don't tithe, but yet they turn right around and say, God, help me financially. I mean, you, you stop and think about it. What, what kind of a business person would engage in a covenant with somebody who has no interest in the other partner's well-being? In other words, why would God bless anybody who's a believer when there's nothing in it for him? So God's supposed to say, okay, I'm going to bless your finances, and then you can just run off and do whatever you want with your money. And you can have me as your Savior, but I guess you don't want me as your Lord. But, in other words, also Lord over your paycheck, Lord over your income. But yet you want me to bless you, prosper you, so you can just go off and spend it in ways that have no relevance to what my heart and what my purpose is. What kind of a person would engage anybody under conditions like that in a covenant when it's not mutually beneficial? Praise the Lord. So what happens is Christians at times, they find themselves under financial duress, financial pressure, and they stop tithing. Why? It's not really a revelation to them. And the truth is, I could stand here all day long, and I can give you scripture after scripture why tithing is valid under the new covenant of grace, and why even as a New Testament believer, you're no longer under the Mosaic law, why you should still tithe, however, You know, you see a lot of things under the Mosaic law, the Old Covenant rules and regulations, such as animal sacrifices and washing of pots and pans and all kinds of nitty gritty details that were, you know, a tremendous burden just to keep up with it all. And a lot of people think, well, those things came to an end at the cross. And they did. Animal sacrifices did not carry into the New Testament, but uh, the cross is the focal point. Many things stopped. But there were some things that passed right on through, and tithing is one of them. Because tithing was going on before the law was ever instituted. Praise the Lord. My friends, you need to be a tither. And I'm just believing that you're going to catch it by a revelation, and it would be for your benefit. Because until you start tithing, God will never engage you with a financial covenant. And it doesn't matter how much you beg Him. It doesn't matter how much you bawl and squall and tell him how bad your situation is. Uh, See, the the financial covenant does not respond to prayer. It responds to principles. And I'll go even further. It doesn't respond to fasting. You can fast for 40 days and 40 nights and tell God about your situation. But my friends, if you want to walk... An ongoing blessing, not just a one-time miracle bailout, but if you want God to work with you in a financial covenant where He supports you, takes care of you, undergirds you, and constantly meets your needs regardless of any outside circumstances, then you need to be a tither, and you need to come into this and engage in this. So that come hell or high water against your life, you say like Abraham, I'm a diehard tither, and the first thing I'll always do with any money... With anything that comes into my hand, I'm going to give a tithe to the Lord on that. Praise the Lord. By the way, if you're a new Christian and you get filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues and walking in the revelation of God, one of the very first things, absolutely, one of the very first things that the Holy Spirit will lead you into is the understanding that you need to be a tither. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. But again, my friends, this needs to come as a revelation into your life. I I could take hours and go through the New Testament. I don't even have to use the Old Testament Scriptures. I can go into the New Testament and show you that Jesus absolutely supported, and still today supports the receiving of the tithe into the storehouse of God. But I think unless some people catch it by revelation... They, they will just go on throughout life, still saved, still on their way to heaven, but they will struggle and struggle and struggle because they're going to try to do it on their own. And it really is not the way that God wants you to live. By the way, that's not fun. When you have things come into your life that are bigger than you and you don't really have the ability to handle it, that's not a fun place to be when you're, when you're holding the tithe back and you're not giving it to the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, life can be very, very challenging. You can have things that, uh, in a sense, uh, can be beyond your ability or scope or ha- to handle it. I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Uh, I don't envy sinners. I don't care if they're multi-billionaires. I have no envy of anybody who is on the path right now to the lake of fire. Because Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to be living in a city where the streets are made of pure gold, where there are gates made out of giant pearls, where there are walls that are composed of diamonds, where wealth and opulence are beyond anything that the human mind can currently even imagine or conceive. So I'm wealthy, and technically every believer is wealthy. There is no sinner who's got billions of dollars, who has anything on a child of God who's on the way to heaven. So I have no envy of any unbelieving sinner on this planet. I don't care if they're a trillionaire. If you're going to hell and you're lost in your sins, you are in a pitiful condition, and you need to lay down your life and receive Christ as your Savior because He will save your soul and wash your sins away. And then for the first time in your life, you will discover what real wealth is. Praise God. So my friends, at the same time, As believers, we live in this world. We are not of this world, but we live in it. We are sojourners passing through. And while we're here, we need to be good financial stewards, which means paying bills on time, having extra so that we can be a blessing, establishing various types of savings and so forth, and just flourishing because the greater blessed you are, the greater of a blessing that you can be into the lives of others. And so if you want that, And I believe that anybody with a a sane mind would, then you really need to think about whether or not you are wanting to be blessed financially and and engaging God in a financial covenant which can only, you, 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 there's no, look, there's no need to try to reinvent the wheel. You you can try to read through this book, and you could try to find something new. It's not there. Praise the Lord. If you want to walk in ongoing blessing. Financially, you must come on the platform of tithing. That basically is where it all begins. And until you play your part, God is not obligated in any way to do anything in that area. Uh, and here's the thing God loves you so much because you're in Christ, His Son. As a believer, as somebody who's put their faith and trust in Christ, God loves you so much that even if you don't ever tithe a penny, You don't ever give God... Let's say you don't even give an offering. You are still saved by the blood of Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, message. Just the salvation message. But my friends, do you really just want to say, Lord, thank you for saving me of my sins. I really appreciate you keeping me out of an eternal damnation in hell and the lake of fire. And to show my appreciation, I'm never going to give you a penny. You know what? I'll, I'll say it again. Anybody that gets filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in tongues, you get your prayer language, the Holy Spirit will lead you into tithing. Praise the Lord forever. But there are some, it's not about just sharing the Scriptures, although that's my responsibility. You have to catch it by a revelation. So if you want to walk in unshakable financial security, you need to be a tither. Now, op, Now God is obligated. And, and see, what God can do, what your employer can never do. Because companies that have been in business for decades, some of them even fade off the scenes. There were companies that were major corporations 50 or 60 years ago they're not even around anymore today. So, you know, times change and seasons change, but regardless of famine or what's going on in the world, shakings in the economic uh, environment, if you walk with the Lord and you work on that platform, you will be stable, stable, stable all the time. Glory to God. Father, I pray for your people that they meet you if they're not already, that they meet you on the platform of tithing. That that if they've never done it, that they will step out in faith, even as you said in Malachi chapter 3, prove me now in this, test me now in this, and see if the blessings will not flow. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we dare to believe your word. We know that your word is true. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, amen. There are some of you, because of pressure, you have backed off from your commitment to the word of God, and you have, you have stopped tithing. Remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's not like you're being condemned. But, my friends, remember, though, uh, you can go to heaven by just being saved and washed with the blood. You don't really have to do anything because it's not earned. But if you want to be blessed, though, see, I'm talking to those that want to be blessed. I'm talking to those who want to make an impact in their lifetime and not just get a ticket stamp and say, that's all I need, let the world go to hell, I'm getting out of here, who cares? I'm talking to people that want to shake this world and see millions and millions of people saved, one to Christ, so that we have an inheritance when we go to be with the Lord, and so that we also see the church edified and strengthened and walking in the image of our beloved Savior Jesus. My friends, if that's you, You need to be a tither so that you can be blessed and you can do all that God has called you to do. Now, if you are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, P.O. Box 3456. The city is Mooresville, North Carolina, our zip code 28117 you would like to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God, safe and secure online, you can do so right now or any time of day or night by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there and bring them into the storehouse of God. So, Father, bless your people. And as they have stepped out onto that platform, which will hold them up of, of a financial covenant, through tithing, we thank you for every need met and even dreams fulfilled. There are those, Father, that would like to have a, their own home and preferably not just a, uh, you know, something that would not be third or fourth, but something that would be best for them. Father, bless them with that dream home. Hallelujah. Provide them with everything they need to have success and happiness and high quality of living. In Jesus' name, and we shout around the world, amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank you today. Now, follow with me over to Isaiah chapter 40. And I, I just felt of the Holy Spirit that we need to talk about spiritual altitude. Woo! I want you to get up and get ready to go into the Spirit. And, you know, you'll have, you'll have challenges in life that will try to keep you from getting heavenly, that will try to g- keep you from getting up off the earth realm. And I want to I encourage you today that it's time to gain spiritual altitude. Praise the Lord. Father, let your Holy Spirit come and illuminate the Scriptures so that we might understand your Word and walk in the light of it. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And we say today, Amen. We are in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, it's the waiting on the Lord that really is the hinge pin for this verse, for this statement. Because if you want to go up, You're going to have to go through the waiting process. I want to be honest and talk with you a little bit heart-to-heart about the waiting process that takes place from being earthbound to gaining altitude and getting into the spirit realm. I, I just sense that many of you today, you're going to be enlisted into the spiritual air force. Just, you know I, know, I know sometimes we talk about the spiritual army. Well, today I'm talking about the spiritual air force. Woo! Praise the Lord. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's talk for a moment. I think, I think if you and I went to a koi pond together and we were looking at the koi fish. And we saw koi fish that swam, but we saw another fish for some reason that just didn't want to swim and just for whatever reason just, you know, he popped his head up out of the water and said, you know what, I don't like water and I don't like swimming and I, I just don't like my life. You would think, okay, this is a very strange fish. There's something, my friend, strange about a fish that does not like to swim. And does not like the water. In a similar illustration, it would be like if we could go and watch beautiful birds fly, and we could see them spread their wings and ride on currents and let the wind lift them and let the God has created them to do. But my friends, if we saw a bird just sitting around all the time that had the ability to fly, but he never flies, and we say, "Hey, uh, why aren't you flying?" And if if he responded to you and me, and he said, you know what? I'm just not really into flying. I know I'm a bird, and I know I'm made to fly, and I know I actually can fly if I try. You know, I'm just not into it. That's just not my thing. We'd say, hey, you really are a strange bird. My friends, when you meet Christians who have no interest in being spiritual, you're looking at some really weird people, praise the Lord. I'm talking weird in the spirit. Because it is the Christian's inheritance to go up, hallelujah, and not to be a meathead. Woo, hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to be maybe like too blunt today, but I am trying to help you and let you understand that Christians that don't want to pray, that don't like to pray, that have no established prayer life, that's, that's really a very strange thing. Praise the Lord. That's like the fish that doesn't like water, and it's like the bird that doesn't want to fly. So, as believers, we need to be going up, the Spirit ascending, sending glory to God into the heavenly realms, but those who wait on the Lord. See, waiting on the Lord is how you get airborne, you know, maybe you wake up in the morning, and let's say you had a good night of sleep. Let's put it in a positive light. You wake up, you had a good night of sleep. Maybe you got yourself a little coffee. Maybe you even had a little breakfast because you pray better after a little breakfast. Get some energy, okay? So you're ready to go. And you start praying. And maybe, you know, after a few minutes you're just like, well, doesn't really seem like much is going on. I'm, I'm praying and it uh, doesn't feel like anything's happening. My friends, you have to wait on the Lord. You have to learn to wait on the Lord. And you also need to give yourself time... So that you can go up. Praise the Lord. I've seen people, they they pray five minutes. Literally, I've seen people, they pray for five minutes, and they think, man, I just climbed Mount Everest. Praise God. I'm a spiritual giant. And boom, they're off. They run into the day. And, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, they're not in a place where they have gone up. You must go up to get fresh revelation. You must go up and spend time with the Lord. And that just sometimes can't happen very, very quickly. You have to wait on the Lord so that you can begin to climb and climb. Look, when you get on a jet airplane, let's say a passenger jet airplane, whether you're on a Delta, United, or American Airlines flight, or whatever you might be flying on, you sit on the tarmac, you sit inside that plane, and the plane takes off. All right, now you're in the air, but look, it takes, it takes almost 30 minutes for that plane to get to climbing. Or, or what we would say, flight altitude. Now, I know a fighter jet can get there in about a minute and 30 seconds. But, uh, you know, they can go supersonic. We, we're not allowed to do that. But the thing is, it's going to take that jet 20 minutes to climb up to cruising altitude. You need to give yourself time to climb to cruising altitude. Woo! Hallelujah. And you you and I both know that's that's really, really hard to do in 10 or 15 minutes unless you just... Have those glory moments where you hit the gusher and you're like, boom, you're just like there. And that can happen sometimes, but that's not the norm. My friends, the norm is those who wait on the Lord. They're the ones that get renewed with this strength of God. And that's what moves you into the place of soaring like the eagle. So you you must wait. Give yourself time to get the cruising altitude, and then when you get there, you need to cruise for a while. See, what some people do, the moment they get the cruising altitude after maybe 20 or 25 minutes in prayer, the moment they do that, they begin to descend and come right back down. Well, that's a short flight. That's like me flying from Charlotte to Atlanta. Okay, that's, that's a 45-minute flight. By the time the plane gets the cruising altitude, they already start dipping the nose down, and it's time to begin to bring this thing into the uh, descent, and, you know, we'll be landing in just a few more minutes. But, my friends, in the Spirit, in order to soar like an eagle and get that renewal and get that refreshing, get that clean, pure oil of the Spirit flowing in your life, you need to cruise at altitude for a while fellowship with the Lord, talk with the Lord. You need to get up into the high places. See, sometimes in the spirit realm, you can begin to smell the fragrance of evergreen. And if you ever go to the mountains, you'll notice that there is change with the landscape, with the trees, and the bushes, and the shrubbery. The higher and higher you get up in elevation, the some of the normal trees, like oak trees, chestnut trees, or things like that, you don't, you don't find those way up high. But when you get way up high, everything thins out pretty much to whether it's just evergreens and different types of bushes that are acclimated to high altitude. So if you're ever in the Spirit and you begin to smell evergreen, it means you are in the high places. That's the Holy Spirit helping you to know that you're in the high altitudes, Sometimes when I'm in prayer and I get deeply in prayer, I go into a vision and I'm able to see myself sitting at the very high point of a mountain. And I'm up on that mountain and I'm able to view things in the spirit realm. And the Lord, watch this, the Lord shows me about you, He, t- he shows me about my online church members, He shows me about my ministry partners. He shows me about people who love, care, and pray for this ministry, and and sometimes even those completely outside of it. God speaks to me about all kinds of things, but that that happens. I, I can only get into that seeing in the spirit and going into those visions when I'm in when I'm in that high place with the Lord, cruising altitude, waiting on the Lord. That's when I lean into these visions. So you have to understand that supernatural experiences with the Lord will take place if you're willing to wait. And you, you might go a couple of weeks and nothing happened. I, I think that's why some people, they get discouraged. They think, Pastor Stephen, I pushed real hard for four or five days and, you know, I really sought the Lord maybe for a couple of hours or something like that. And, you know, nothing really came out of that. And, you know, good prayer time, but not, nothing really as far as a supernatural encounter. See, what you need to do is you need to keep putting your time in. You need to keep waiting. Stay before the Lord. And those moments will turn into glorious moments. You cannot force the Holy Spirit to manifest visions or the gifts of the Spirit. You must yield and allow Him to flow through you and work with you. And as you do, you'll have those moments. He opens your eyes. But look, you'll never know if you don't wait. You'll never get into the glory if you're not willing to wait it is time for you today to reclaim your spiritual altitude I'm telling you I think some of you have been flying a little too low (laughs) and if you don't get some height we don't want any crashes praise God because if you fly too low there's a danger of of making contact with something that could be solid or hard so God wants you to begin to go up begin to go up and soar get into the glory Begin to get into that place where you overcome temptations. Begin to get in that place where you even avoid temptations in the first place. When you get prayed up in the shield, the canopy, the glory of God is over your life. You're walking with the mind of Christ operating in your mind. This, my friends, is why you must stay airborne as much as possible and get up into that altitude of prayer flight. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's, it's spiritual Air Force day to today. Hallelujah. I've, I've just been getting a lot of Air Force stuff lately. My parents are staying with me for a few days, and my dad served in the Air Force for quite a few years when he was much younger in life. So he was an Air Force man. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, Today, I was having uh, some things done uh, that needed to be done, and the person that did it for me was a former Air Force man who just got out of the Air Force, so had a lot of Air Force stuff today. And it's because God's emphasizing spiritual flight. You need to get up. You need to get up. Hallelujah. Get your prayer life going. Praise the Lord. Don't be carnally minded. Don't let the sin nature govern your way of thinking where you become engulfed and engrossed with a base level of living that functions in carnality and just running around, wasting your life, doing silly stuff. Live for the Lord. Live for live. live for seeing the lost one, the Christ. Live for seeing the church edified and blessed. And you live for a deep walk with God. And when you finish your course when you finish your life, you will be so glad that you dedicated yourself to prayer. You will be so happy because you will have rewards that will boggle your imagination when you cross to the other side. But if you refuse to pray, you will end up living a life like the Israelites who did not believe the Word of God. They did not... Take the promised land. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation of doubters and powders and do-with-outers died in the wilderness. Woo! I'm telling you what. God made sure that every single one of them died off before Joshua took the new group. That were born that, uh, while the wilderness journey was being taken. The, he, uh, God made sure that all the old ones, the grumblers and complainers, were gone. Because the new group was going in with a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. With a heart for prayer. With a heart for we must stay before the Lord to receive directions from headquarters. To hear from God so that we can stay in a successive winning streak. Woo, Glory. I think that we need to be happy that Jericho fell. I think that we need to be happy that Ai was conquered. We eventually won it. Praise God. I think we need to be happy that another city was won after that. And that after that, Joshua took another city. But my friends, you want to keep on going until you take all of your land. Enjoy your victories. Enjoy your glory moments. Enjoy your good experiences. But don't ever forget, that was yesterday. That was last week. That was last month. Now you must live for the day. Praise the Lord. And you must strive for that high calling. What's the high calling? You need to be in the Spirit. Hallelujah. That spiritual altitude. Glory to God. Thanking God for all that He's done, but yet knowing there's more. And we have not yet attained to the full measure that God has called us to attain to. So what do we do? We press. Every day we press. Lord, greater glory, greater miracles greater signs and wonders, Lord, a more consecrated walk, Lord, a more sanctified walk, Lord, a more holy life, hallelujah, Lord, for you are holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We go forward, praise the Lord, learning more, growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of God. But the moment you get out of your flight and you you abandon that, your knowledge increase stops. Praise the Lord. So it is time, my friends, to soar in the spirit and to wait. Wait on the Lord in prayer. Spend time with the Lord. You cannot rush this. You cannot rush this. Spend time with the Lord, and you will be rewarded. Absolutely, God will reward you in ways that are remarkable in your in your physical life and even in your spiritual walk with God. I'm telling you, you will have the highest quality of life that's available, and Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I am come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly, and the word life that Jesus used was the Greek word zoe, z-o-e, and it actually means the God quality of life. Right here, right now, you have the divine nature of God imparted into you. When you became born again as a believer, the old sinful nature that you inherited from Adam, who spread it to the whole human race, that was cut off. At the point of your salvation, and at that same point you received the divine nature of God into your spirit. Your spirit was recreated, and now you you have God's nature on the inside of you. So, my friends, it's time to live for the Lord. It's time to experience the God quality of life. And you discover it. Hear me today, you discover it in the prayer closet you go up in your place of prayer, whether it's a prayer closet or whether it's the garage or whether it's your, your bedroom or wherever you go, but that's where you find it, that high quality of living in your prayer life, and out of that, everything emanates into a beautiful place with God as you, as you walk in prayer and you follow the principles and the teachings of God's Word. Hallelujah. See, what I'm saying is caught up in the things of God. It's very easy to lose that in this world. And It doesn't take very long to get the undertow of the surf to pull you into a current and pull you out of the things of God that you could be so on fire for. And the next thing you know, you're caught up in something that has no spirituality at all, but yet it has invaded your life. It consumes your thinking, whether it was a hobby or maybe it was a project that you took on, and your walk with God grows cold. Watch out for these things. Stay in flight. Stay in the Word. Let's go now to Colossians chapter 3. Lord, we give you praise today as we are members of the spiritual air force, gaining in altitude today by your grace, by your glory. Lord, we just give you praise. Colossians chapter 3. I really love this chapter, a very heavy-hitting chapter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the church at Colossae who really did not see Christ Jesus as the great Savior that he is. And Paul, I mean, he went to town on this letter to the church in Colossae, saying that he is everything. He's the one that's holding everything together. It is all about Jesus. Praise the Lord. In chapter 3, he gives tremendous teaching to the Christian believer. Now, You have to understand that chapter 3 was written to the church. This is written to you and me. If you want to know how to live the Christian life, you need to read the epistles that Paul wrote. Why? They're written to the church. Hallelujah. They teach you and instruct you in standard Christian living. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. Now. That is so good. I've got to stop there just for a moment. When Christ Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was placed into that tomb, which was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and when the dead body of Jesus was put into that tomb, in God the Father's eyes and in God the Father's mind, you were entombed with him. And by the way, if you want to understand more about this, it's all in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is probably the greatest chapter in the Bible. If you want to understand what Jesus did at Calvary, and you want want revelation of that and how it empowers your life, Romans chapter 6. Okay, but here's the thing. In the eyes of the Father and in the mind of the Father, when Jesus was entombed, you were entombed with him. And when Jesus was raised from the dead... You and I were raised with Him. The moment you received Christ as your Savior, you identified with His death, you died with Him. When it says, when I, or when I'm saying you died, who died? The old man. The old sinful nature Died in that tomb. And when Christ was raised in the eyes of God and in the mind of God, you were raised and up with Him, and you have even been seated with Him. So that's what Paul is talking about. Now, this is spiritually your position. Whether you know it or not, whether a person believes it or not who's a Christian, it still doesn't uh, change the truth that God saw you entombed with his son. And when when Christ was raised, God saw you raised with him. And the moment you gave your life to Jesus 2,000 years later, whenever that was in 1958 or 1972, whenever you got saved in 1989 or whenever it might have been, it actually, you were buried and raised with him 2,000 years ago, but you tied into it and connected with it when you gave your heart to Jesus and received him as your Savior. If then you were raised with Christ, that's what that means. You were raised, lifted up with him during that resurrection. It says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So seek those things which are above. It doesn't mean that you become a lousy parent. It doesn't mean that you're a, uh, a husband or wife that neglects your spouse. It doesn't mean that at work uh, you can't get anything done because you're walking around thinking about Bible verses. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about having a heart for God. Everything that you do, you need to see it from an eternal perspective. Many believers lose, they lose an understanding and an awareness that we are going to live for all eternity. There's a lot of things that I would like to do in this life here and now. But because I've got all eternity to do it, some of these things I'm just going to have to wait until later. There are some things to me, honestly, they look like they're a lot of fun. I'd like to go do them. I'd like to try my hand at it. I'd like that it would be relaxing. It would be enjoyable. But I only have a little room to do some of these things. The majority of my room, the majority of my calling that takes up my space is just doing what God has assigned me to do. I know you, you understand what I'm talking about because you have an assignment from the Lord as well. So that's what that is referring to. Seek those things which are above. Be eternally minded. Be concerned about the welfare of the souls of others who don't know Christ. Always look for an opportunity. If that door is open, to share it at the right moment, at the right time. And also let your life be a living letter that speaks louder than anything perhaps that you would ever say. Let your life be an example for them to see as well. Verse 2: set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above. Be airborne. Be spiritual. Don't be all worried about stuff. Don't be all anxious and fretting and chewing up your fingernails or even your toenails. Whoo, Lord, help those people who are chewing their toenails are so nervous. Ooh, that probably doesn't taste very good. My friends, that's low-level thinking. Ooh, thoughts of poverty, thoughts of just trying to survive, thoughts of like, well, I'll just tough it out and live with this all this junk. No, my friends, break free by the power of the Spirit. Thoughts of, well, I'll just live with my, with my sinful addiction. No, my friends, begin to get airborne. Live for the Lord. This stuff will start to fall off of you. It'll start to come off of you, and you'll get flight. You'll get flight. Some of you need to clean your feathers. Hallelujah. We have one of the most beautiful birds that comes to the front of our office on a daily basis, and we call him Pinky. He's so pretty. And we went uh, and bought him a, his own water dish, and it's a pink water dish. That's why we call, it, uh, we call him Pinky. And we fill the whole water dish with water, and Pinky will come, and he will, co- he will take a complete bath in the water. Uh, pinky will submerge himself in the water by the way i think pinky is a girl so that's why we call her pinky not not really a he but she'll get in that little that pink dish she'll stick her whole head all of her wings her entire body underneath the water clean all of her feathers get all of the dust off get all of the mites out and that way she can fly she's so pretty black and a, a, i mean a real beautiful black um like a, with uh, like glittery purple in it, and like a glittery blue in it. Woo, very, very pretty bird. But she comes every day, and she takes a bath. She will drain that entire water dish by splashing all the water out while she takes a bath. While she's trying to clean her feathers so that she will fly better. My friends, you need to begin to move into the sanctification and holiness of the Spirit. Begin to go up, hallelujah. Be, be, be be, Be interested, be serious about your walk with God. Get dialed in, hallelujah. Get into consecration. Get into holiness. You're not going to have a lot of power with God if you're living like an old dirty sinner. Praise God. Walk in the power of the Spirit, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died. You died. When? 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was put in that tomb, you were put in that tomb with him. You understand he didn't die for himself. He didn't bear his own sins. He had no sins. He died for you and I. He bore our sins. Woo! And you died with him. When you were born again, you received the impartation of the divine nature of God. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory, and you'll be so glad that you lived your life for Jesus. You'll be so glad that you were into the things of God. Woo! Hallelujah! Don't ever drift. You know, there at the beach, you have these riptides, these undercurrents, and they can begin to just pull you out, pull you out, and next thing you know, you can be a mile. They'll, they'll pull you way off to the shore. Really, the way to get out of them is don't swim back to the shore, swim sideways, Because they're too strong, and keep pulling you out. Swim sideways, go horizontally down the beach, and then after you get out of that pool, then you can go back in. But my friends, the thing is, is that you don't want to get caught in these things that pull you away from the Lord. You want to be smart and stay close to the Lord so that you don't lose divine momentum and that you don't lose your flight altitude. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now, let's go to verse 6. It talks about how God raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When God the Father lifted Jesus up, he lifted you and I up with him. Remember, if you've been lifted up with the Lord, that's where you belong. You belong in the Spirit. You don't belong just engulfed in carnality. That's not your calling. You're out of your atmosphere. You're out of your place. You're out of your calling. Why would you want to get drunk? Why would you want to curse? Why would you want to do things that, as a believer, that's just not what you do? That's not who you're supposed to be. That's not even what your nature is. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you for the lifting up. My friends, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You will begin to go up. You will will begin to ascend. You will begin to go up. But if you skip that, you will have a very difficult time trying to climb that ladder. You need to go up the Lord's way. Just wait. Pray. Spend time. While you're waiting, just let that old, that old flesh nature die. Hallelujah. Just let that old sin nature just stay unplugged. I know your sin nature, sometimes it just tries to bug you. I know mine does. It tries to say, hey, let's go do something else. Let's go, uh, let's do anything but do this. But no, just sit there and let it sizzle and let it, let it just fry on the altar of sacrifice and let it die. Hallelujah. It technically is already dead, but just keep it there. Keep the old man under. Hallelujah. Until you start going up. When you go up, don't just pull out. It took a lot of work sometimes to get into that place. Enjoy it and stay in it. And the more you stay in flight like that, the easier it is just to move into that realm. Move into that realm. I know you still have to do natural things, you've got to scramble eggs. You've got to get the kids off the school. You've got to drive the vehicle. You've got to solve the problems at work. But see, if you'll pray often, you just go into that place so easy. Now it becomes a lifestyle. You breathe in. You breathe out. You move with God. You look for times where you can slip away and pray. Slip away and pray. Pastor Stephen, I need a break. I need to get away. If you're, go- if you're going to get away, I hope you're going to get away and go pray. Because if you, if you go away and do other things, you will still not find You will still not find what it is you're looking for. You will only find it, that peace that passes all understanding through close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those today that are watching that this be a day where they reclaim their position in the spiritual air force, where they begin to go up. They begin to go up into the glory. Father, we thank you that... As there's waiting, as there's time spent with you, that many marvelous experiences will come out of this, in which people can testify, Lord, you are God. You are real, and you answer prayer, and you do amazing things. So, Father, we thank you for empowering us to live in the high places, for grace to pray, for energy to press in. And we thank you that on that day that Jesus was raised up, We were raised with him. We believe it, and so we stay in that area. We stay in the heavenly realm, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at. We keep that on the forefront of our minds. So, Father, we thank you that this is our place in Christ and that he did this for us. In the name of Jesus, say, I'm going up. Say, I'm going up today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. I see the angels helping you to clean your feathers, helping you to get all this stuff off of you so you can begin to fly. You're saying, I'm going to get my prayer time to back. I'm getting my prayer time back. Hallelujah. You're just shaking all this stuff off that's trying to hold you down so that you can't fly. All this uh, unnecessary weight, you're getting cleaned. You're making a consecration. You're saying, I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live right for God. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good to have a nice spiritual bath. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you today. Let's take communion together. I would like to read to you today from 1 Peter chapter 2, and I, will, I want to go to verse 21. I want you to take some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Just sit that down for a moment. We're going to receive it together as you and I will have communion together. And we are a global church family celebrating Communion together. What a wonderful thing that we can do. Verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. The tree, of course, referring to the cross. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now notice this. That we, having died to sins... As I mentioned earlier in Romans chapter 6, particularly in verses 1 through 4, it tells you that your sin nature was cut off when you became a Christian, when you became a believer. You had your sin nature cut off, and the divine nature of God came into your life. Here's something that will help you. If a doctor does an operation on a person's appendix because there's something wrong with the appendix. It's infected. They want to get it out of the body. What the doctor will do is he will make a surgical cut. and That's what actually it refers to in Romans 5 when it talks about the cutting off of the old man. What the doctor will do with that appendix is he will cut it off and he will remove it from the body. Now, when you became a Christian... God cut off your sin nature, but what God did not do was He did not take it out. He left it in your body, okay? So the thing is, it's cut off, but it's still in your body. So, you only have one nature, that is the divine nature of God. But technically, there are actually two natures in you, but you only have one of them. You have the divine nature of God, but you also have the sin nature. You're no longer the sin nature that no longer has any power over you. It's been cut off, but it is still in you. To give you an illustration, it's like having a lamp in your house. You can have the lamp, and as you look down the top of the lamp down to the bottom, you see the the cord, the power cord running from the lamp, and it stretches over there to the wall. Now, if you take that power cord that runs to the lamp and you take that power cord and stick it into the socket of the wall outlet, energy will flow through that line. The lamp will come on. As long as you don't plug in the sin nature, it cannot, it cannot uh, give you trouble. In a sense, it won't rain over you. It can still try to like say, hey, I'd like to come alive again. Hey, I've got a few ideas. Would you like to sin today? Here's some feelings of what this would be like. Okay, you can have some of that going on. But as long as you don't plug it in, it has no life over you. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6. Sin shall not have dominion over you. It shall not reign over you. And that word reign refers to king. Sin is no longer your king. It can't dominate you, boss you around, and make you do it. The only authority it has is what you and I give it. Okay? So remember that. Don't plug it in. It's been cut off. Don't ever plug it in. So that's what uh, Peter is referring to as his teachings also agreed with the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Here he says that we, having died to sins, when the moment you were born again, your sin nature was cut off. You're no longer A a sinner lost in sin, separated from God. You are now in the family of God. God, cut that off. You now have the impartation of the divine nature of God. You are a child of God. You're no longer a child of the devil. You're a child of God. But as the Apostle Paul said, "I, I keep that old man under. Woo! Keep it under. Don't ever plug it in. Don't bring it back to life. It's dead. Leave it alone. Serve the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we take communion... Remember that Christ Jesus is our life, that we belong to Him, and that we have died to sins. I'm telling you what, when you get airborne by the help of the Holy Spirit who helps you and I to pray, He gives you the power to live a life that's pleasing to God. I'm telling you what, you must have the Holy Spirit. I'm not just talking about being saved. I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be under the control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Woo! I tell you, there's lifting power. Lifting power over addictions. Lifting power over sin. Lifting power over carnality. Lifting power over thoughts that say, oh, I don't want to pray. There is lifting power by the Spirit of God. Can you imagine that the Spirit of God lives in us? What a blessing that Jesus has made available, because that is the case. We are the temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in us. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and the blood of our Savior, Jesus. Father, we give you praise for the flesh of Jesus. As we eat it, we thank you that he is the word of life. We believe the Bible. We believe your promises. And we thank you that you empower us to live in heavenly realms. We thank you that we are spiritual people, that we have the mind of Christ, the mind of the Anointed One, and we thank from that high spiritual level. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. praise the lord praise the lord forever hallelujah father we thank you for the blood of jesus that saved us hallelujah hallelujah its life transforming power lord we thank you that we have been delivered from wrath to come through justification through your son's shed blood we thank you for righteousness sanctification set apart to do the great things that you have called us to do in life and to live a life that's pleasing to you. We thank you for all of this by the power of your Spirit energizing us to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, we now drink the blood of Jesus and we praise his name forevermore. Amen. Let's receive. Glory. Glory to God. Stay spiritual. To be a Christian is to be spiritual. Yes, it still means you're practical. It still means you get things done. But it means you're spiritual. You like to pray. And you do pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you pray even if you don't. Even if the flesh nature doesn't want to pray. Your spirit always wants to pray. Always wants to work, uh, walk with God. So, keep the flesh nature pressed down. It's The, the sin nature has been cut off. Don't let it get strength. Keep walking with the Lord, and you will go from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people today. We thank you for your word that it feeds us and provides divine nourishment. We thank you for the flesh and the blood of Jesus, and we thank you for your life, living the highest quality of life possible, because we are in your Son, and his life is in us. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. That this life, this God quality of life will never end. It will only get better because we will live for you forever, for all eternity. Even after 10 trillion years, we will still be with you living a life of incredible joy, peace, and happiness. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. If there's anybody watching today, you have not received Christ as your Savior and Lord. Right now, say this. Say, Lord Jesus. I give you my life, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and I give my life to you. Make me yours now. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. In your name I pray, amen and amen. If you have prayed that prayer, please email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. My friends, God bless you today. Have a tremendous day and a glorious week, and stay airborne. God bless you. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.